In coach, we're ready to play. This is the sporting record here on 855 AM 3CR. You're joined with me, James, and our superstar of the program, M. How you going, M? I'm great. Thank you, Jimmy. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, good. A lot of cycling is happening in my brain at the moment. Love That's been my late night little, little hey, going, little me time. Hey, love to hear it. Yes. Interesting. We've got a very, I think, a very interesting show for you all ready for today. We're talking about American exceptionalism. American exceptionalism. Oh, yeah. What a topic. Keen to get into that. Um, And an update on the old Rubiales Spanish football situation, which is going in a good direction. Yes, a really good update. Then we're going to have a quick chat about head knocks in the AFL, AFLW. And also for you all who have been missing, deeply saddened at the end of the Women's World Cup uh, we have some updates on the Matildas next fixtures as well to look out for, which oh, I think yeah. will be really exciting. Oh, yeah. But before we get into all of that, the sporting record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nations as the traditional custodians of this land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport has, is played. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. We would also love to pay an acknowledgement to all the incredible contributions of First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life. Well said, Em. So, Spanish football front. Yes. We'll get the update out of the way. We will. Rubiales, the president of, of the whole thing in Spain and the vice president of UEFA, has quit. He's he, done. He's down. He's, he's out done. of here. See you uh, later. Good riddance. Don't after, let the door hit you on the way out. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, you little bastard. Yeah. Um, so this is after the uh, the abusive act he did on, on the celebrations of the World Cup that the whole world see that we don't need to go over again. Mm-hmm. He quit. He's still kind of defiant. He, um, yeah. He's still going. So he quit and he said, uh, he quit after talking to his family, I believe, Em. Is that right? Uh, would you believe it's it's like we're getting flashbacks to ScoMo. He talked to his daughters, Ooh. and he was suddenly struck with uh, with what's called empathy. I think I believe. Um, yes, no. He had a chat with his family, with his daughters specifically. He, he named his daughters and decided that he is best to stand down and quit, which is really good. Like that's what um, a lot of Spanish football has been calling for. Um, yeah, like we said, the Spanish football actually applied to UEFA to cancel, you know, f- the essence was cancel their license so no Spanish teams could compete in like UEFA um, championship wow. competitions. that's big. While this was all occurring. So, and while he was still in the position. Um, so I think it, it's a good result and it's happened really quickly. It hasn't been this long drawn out thing. I still think that, um, I'm really impressed by the Spanish women's team and 
I'm really impressed by all of them, but how they've held themselves and like being able to hold space for both celebrating themselves and their achievement and also be able to, to like make a statement on it and fight this. So it's like props to them and like congratulations on getting, getting a result, even, even though he remains defiant. But I think it's like we spoke about last time. It's that, that is the concern is that he doesn't get it. And that's probably what's most alarming about. He Mm. doesn't see what the issue is. Yes. And we have an update on that. He appeared on the, uh, one of the great, Pieces of shit show. <laughs> he went on the Pierce. He, he talked oh, no. to he talked to Pierce Morgan, one one of the world's oh, most that awful is people. Literal bin juice conversation, ready yeah. to go. Then. So I have a few quotes. Oh, here we go. Um, he Rubiales told Morgan, "I cannot continue my work, my work, right? <sighs> like it's all him." He said that he made the decision to resign after speaking with his friends and family, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the ones who aren't men, which yep. is amazing. Uh, they said to him, Lewis, you now have to focus on your dignity and to continue your life because if you are, because if not you, are probably going to damage people you love. That's okay. That's pretty strong. It is strong. So he went on to say, in this situation now, this is the more intelligent thing I have to do. Seems like he's talking strategically, not yeah. empathy. What happened is bad for everyone, he says. Oh, that's such a cop-out. And what's left for me to do, he says, is to defend my dignity. So it's not about the apology, Pierce. It's about humility. So he's still just being an absolute uh, silly bugger. It's just, mm. yeah, it's incredible the amount of, like, somehow he's made this entirely about himself. Like, in no way in that statement has he talked about the effect. Like, he could have seriously... Like, I don't know the effect on the player, Jenny. Like, I don't know how she's feeling. She's made public statements. But, like, he can't even acknowledge the fact that he might have caused harm to a human being, you know? And that's, like, it's all about him and his dignity and his career and his His strategic-ness. It's, like, nothing in there is about, like more broadly like the footballing community or the person he harmed or like the women's team that just won this World Cup. It's like so like him at the centre of his universe mm. and that's what's most disappointing. Like you're allowed to acknowledge wrongdoing and say I really stuffed this up and I caused harm. Like you're allowed to And you say can stop that. there. And you can stop there and just move on, you know, and like, you know, like move on in sense of step down and like Get try and repair – and like attempt to make you know, but it's just it's that's disappointing. Yes. Yeah, so, but he's out of there. So that's the main thing. And yep. the other news with this story is that he is appearing in court tomorrow in Spain. Ooh. So on the twentieth of August, Hermoso, who was the victim, uh, filed a legal complaint. Uh, her complaint was one of sexual assault. But yep. last week, prosecutor Marta Durantes Gill added there was an allegation of coercion as well. Mm. Uh, especially because a lot of her relatives in the aftermath of the event had been pressured by Rubiales and his professional entourage to say that she justified and approved what happened. So there was a coercive element for her to relent, to to, to stop making the commotion and and objecting to what happened. Interesting. So there's a coercive element to this legal case as well. That is an interesting Mm. update. That's, yeah... So I don't really understand the Spanish legal system, but as far as I know, uh, the uh, 
the judge Francisco de Jorge of the National Court accepted the complaint and assigned it to a magistrate to investigate the case. So after completing the investigation, which will be tomorrow, I guess, the magistrate will then make either a recommendation for the case to go to trial or be dismissed. Right. So that's the update. Fascinating. So we might have further updates next week about whether it's been dismissed or... It is a saga. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So that's the Spanish Football uh, Federation update for everyone who's been following at home. We're doing our best. Now yeah. I think it's time we, we turn to the big the big thing we want to talk about. Yes, I'm, I'm excited for this. American exceptionalism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the sporting world, but also it's endemic of a broader, broader thing. That's a broader, like, cultural, like, thinking. So I've got a little soundbite lined up for how... There's a big debate that's been going on in the last couple of weeks, and I've got a soundbite that just about says what happened. So Noah Lyles at the World Athletics Championships... He won the 100-meter sprint, the 200-meter sprint, and the 4 by 100 relay. Three golds. That hasn't been done since Usain Bolt, I believe. Mm. He's tipped as the next Usain Bolt. So he's a gun. He's young. He's quick. And importantly, he's a world champion. He's a world champion mm-hmm. of the world, not just America, but the, of world. the world. So in the conference afterwards, he, he gave this soundbite. You know, the thing that hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA Finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? <laughs> the United States? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I love the US at times. <laughs> but that ain't the world. That is not the world. We are the world. We have almost every country out here fighting, thriving, putting on their flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flags in the NBA. <laughs> so there you go. That was the soundbite. And this sent American basketball fans into absolute overdrive. Yeah, and players. Players, and players. commented, yeah. American players. American players. So basically, Noah has said he's objected to the fact that what they do when they win the championships in the NBA, in the men's competition, mm. they run around saying they're the champions of the world. They do that in the women's, actually, as well. And they do and that the, in the women's, the too. The Aces in their new facility have world champs up uh-huh. on there. Yep. <laughs> so the, the justification is that the NBA is the best basketball league in the world and the WNBA for the women's. Those are the two highest, quote-unquote, quality mm-hmm. in the world with the best players. And therefore, whichever team wins that is de facto world, world championship. Champs. Which they also do, like, in baseball, it's yep. the World Series. World Series, like even, even though there's Japan and, and stuff, which are amazing. Japan, I think, is the most recent uh, world champion in baseball. Hmm. Yeah. But in America, they're, you know, the highest level there is the World Series. So this blew up. You know, people were arguing online and there was a lot of very, very staunch people saying, okay, yeah, America's, yeah, America's the best. We got the world champs. There's no argument. We've got the best players in the world. And then... The actual world championships of basketball happened, or are happening right now. Yes. And lo and behold, America has come fourth. <laughs> <laughs> not first, not second, not third, fourth. They got knocked out of contention by did Germany. Not, yes, who went on to win, and America did not even medal. America did not even medal. So they're not the world championships, they're fourth. But 
but the arguments come back yes, again. American go. exceptionalism, we are the best. Oh, but the best players in the German team are in the NBA. So that means it's still the NBA world champs. Because the best players in that competition play in the NBA. Now, I think, apart from just being, you know, America's the best, everyone else sucks, and it's kind of racist in its it, its core. Yeah. What they fail to get, and this is what I've been thinking about, mm. is that the world game and then the American game are two very different things. Yes. The beauty of sport is that wherever you put it, it grows and evolves and the rules change according to how the people in that place want to play it. The amazing thing about world championships is it gives a universal set of criteria that all the other countries come in and they play each other. So the world game is much more physical. It's it's the rules are very different. Yes. And Americans have a hard time adjusting to this different style of play. This isn't the first time that America's been knocked out when maybe they do have the best players. But for their own conditions. But for their own conditions, which their is, own game, which is totally different. It's from- totally different. And we know this as well because Luka Doncic has pre- in the past said it's harder to score in European basketball yeah. and, and the FIBA competition. And FIBA is the governing body, so FIBA run the World Championships of basketball. He's said this previously that the rules are different enough and the way the style of game is different enough that it is more difficult to score in those competitions that it than it is in the NBA. Yeah. So, like you said, there is adjustments to just different rules. But it's I think, again, it's like it's a level playing field for everybody. And if you can't adjust to it, then how could you possibly say that you're the world champions? If you're, mm. if you've got rules that you know, like help your best players do their best, then obviously they're going to do really well. But on a world stage, if they can't adjust, then how could are they really the best? You know? No, and it's it's it, and it Germany to, did have players in the NBA playing for them, you know. And, and they've like, also got a lot of players who play European basketball because yeah, they're German. Yeah, you know? but they've adjusted so. Why can't the US players adjust? Yes, and that's the big question. You know, our game is the best game. We don't need to adjust. And then they go into these competitions and they, they, they get beaten by these teams that don't have these huge stars of the game. I think the other interesting thing about this is that basketball is still a growing game around the world. And, you know, for the last 30 years or so, the best players have been American. You know, at the Olympics, they had the Dream Team, and then the Redeem Team, and just all these superstars, and that's cool. But in this last decade, a lot of the best players in the world now are not American. Yep. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's from Greece. Who also had things to say on this. Who also agreed that the world champs of the NBA is a bit funny. Yep. Luka Doncic, who's from Slovenia. Mm -hmm. Nikola Jokic, who's reigning MVP and, and, you know... Bloody king of the world, yeah. king of Serbia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's from Serbia, yep. and and these players are unlike anything America's ever seen in their competition. They yeah. do things that no one thought could be done. And the other one is Joel Embiid of Joel, Cameroon. Uh, yep, seven foot tall, enormous, but can move like a dancer. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He is amazing to watch. And then the other one, who's the up and comer, uh, apart from Doncic, is uh, Shea 
Gilgis Alexander, oh, yes. who's he, from Canada. Yes, an incredible, really remarkable player, actually. Yeah. Who, who wasn't meant to be this good. Yes. But he's just gotten better and better and better and better. So I think this summarizes that the American game is good, but it's not the world game. It's very different to the world game. And then you've got these freaks coming from different countries and different games. And they're bringing whole new skill sets that are fundamentally changing the American game. Yes. It's sort of breaking it open. And it's also interesting that currently some of the best players in the competition, like we've just mentioned, are all from all overseas. Mm. And so, again, is it really possible to say world champs when you've got a lot of, like, some of the highest played and best players in the competition, not even American but are somehow world champions of America. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and these players go to America for two reasons. One, to play in an amazing league. Mm-hmm. Two, to make a lot of money. Yes. That's, those are the two factors. If you don't want to play in the best league in the world, but want to make a lot of money, you go to China. Yep. If you want to play in the best league in the world, quote unquote, domestic league, and make a lot of money, you go to the US. Yep. You make a couple million dollars on the lowest possible contract. Yeah. Even if you don't play a single minute of the whole year. If you're on the roster. You're on the roster. You make $3 million or something like that. You make a lot of money playing this game. And so does that make the American game the best game in the world? No, it doesn't. Every game has its own merits. It's about adjusting. American exceptionalism is bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think we've completely uh, just debunked American excep- exceptionalism. And, and let's just say the Australian version of basketball, it's not that great. Oh. <laughs> it's not that no. great. And <laughs> we, no. And we will be the first to say there are definitely... Well, okay. Also, interestingly, I think to help put this in perspective, it would be kind of like saying when, you know, Geelong, Geelong won the AFL... Um, Grand final last year, yeah. it'd be like saying Geelong world champions, like which is absurd. It's it's absurd. Or in, in the NRL because technically, like Australia has won so many world championships, and a lot of I think it would be fairly agreed that the NRL is the biggest, like the best rugby league competition in the world. So there's ones in England and across Europe and everything, but I think the Australian rugby league competition is the in similar to the NBA in terms of the the biggest and the best or whatever. But again, rugby league saying champions of the world when the Penrith Panthers win, like mm. it does, it seems absurd and it seems absurd to us. And I think it is interesting when you put it in those terms, because sometimes I wonder, like it's what something I really like about this country in terms of the way that we view it, sports. Like, I don't know if we would ever accept sports stars earning like, 140 million dollars i'm not sure if we would that would ever sit quite right with us in the same way that they earn like hundreds of millions of dollars in the nfl and in basketball in america but also just saying things like oh geelong are world champions afl (laughs) i think people would just be like all right just settle down (laughs) just get like just calm down i think yeah it's this that like you know there's certain mentalities in the u.s about like working hard and hustling and all these like big Things that are just success like success and greatness and mumba mentality. Yeah, it's that like, oh, just, just like settle down. Go on. Yeah, I think I like Jeremy Cameron. You know, he did the 
um, opening, cracking a beer celebration. I feel like that really encapsulates a lot of the way that we approach sport. And obviously there are a lot of things that aren't, of, like there are significant things that need improvement within the culture of sports, especially in men's sports in Australia. Yeah. But it is one thing that I like that there is, there is kind of like a, all right, let's just chill out and, you know, that mentality, I think of like leaving a fair amount of humility aside is not present, which I think is nice because it's exhausting when yeah. people are like world champion or I'm in the best in the world or humbly I'm one of the best basketball players in the world at yeah. Jason Tatum. <laughs> Probably the biggest revolution in, a- in AFL, which is our national game, I mm. guess, is that people saying it's more, there's more than football. You know, it's not just about this game. It's about life and yep. all that. And Dimmer Hardwick, coach of Richmond, three premierships, he stressed there's more to life than football. Yeah. You got to live good lives and football is always secondary to that secondary to family and all that and that's something that the culture in afl is pretty good at yep we've got a tall poppy syndrome thing too yeah you can't make too much money that's that's just a bit it's a bit much mate yeah anyway so smash that let's go to a few announcements now and then we'll come back to afl and the bump the bump the bump Public transport's great. What's not great is that unless you've got a radio with you, you can't listen to 3CR when you're on it. Until now. The Community Radio Plus app lets you listen to us wherever you are. Get on board and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. Dunbar Law's legendary trivia night returns yet again to light up the social calendars of the best and brightest minds in Melbourne. Come down to Richmond Town Hall on Friday the 15th of September to raise much-needed funds for the incredible 3CR. The night starts at 6.30pm and will feature awesome trivia capped off with a giant game of limbo and dancing. Get your tickets now, available on Humanitix on the 3CR website. You're on the Sporting Record here on 855 AM, 3CR, Radical Radio. We've been talking about American exceptionalism and Rubiales being a silly bugger, (laughs) an abusive bugger. Yeah. Uh, But now we're going to go to domestic things. And you've probably heard about the bump in AFL football. The bump that's... There was a bump that reverberated around the country. Yeah, there it is. It's finals fever. Probably the two best teams, Melbourne teams... Melbourne and Collingwood, they clashed on... Oh, clash, uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, they played on Thursday night, I believe. Yeah. And they... Collingwood won over a nail-biter, but Angus Brayshaw, a player who's had many problems with concussion... Where's the, the helmet? Where's the helmet? He was kicking the ball, and then Brent, Braden Maynard, who's a bit of a thug, um, went to smother the ball, was in the air, couldn't stop himself, turned to protect himself shouldered Brayshaw in the face. He got knocked unconscious. And since that happened, there's been an incredible debate, and there was a trial for the tribunal of Braden Maynard just the other day about is that a reportable, suspendable (laughs) offence or was it just a footy act 
that it's just a bad thing that happened and we're sorry, but this is part of the game. Mm. And that's been reverberating around. And so long story short, there was a mammoth trial at the AFL tribunal about Maynard and he got cleared. No game suspended. No suspensions whatsoever. It was deemed a football act that was unfortunate, but there's nothing he could have done to prevent it. Prevent it. It was just bad luck. One of the down points is that Angus Brayshaw may never play again. Yes. Which is just awful because he's a fantastic player. By all means, a great guy. Um, and these two guys played junior footies together and they're very good friends. So there's mm. no malice in there. But it just makes me wonder, M, at what point do you draw the line between making the game as safe as possible and then just saying that players play at their own risk? Yeah. There is a line there. And this was right on it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, which I think is why it's been very controversial, and that has just is the essence of the situation, and I think also the essence of a lot of um, the lawsuits that the AFL have been facing from past players about duty of care and um, issues around CTE and um, injury, like head injuries, and the effect of that on people. And we know that CTE causes um, various mental, mental illnesses um, that, like, has had a hugely detrimental... Like, people have died yeah. because of it. So it's really, like, in some ways it is... Head injuries, especially in a contact sport, it is can, it can be life or death, you know? It ruins lives. It ruins lives. And I think in this situation specifically, um, I'm disappointed with their ruling... I think finals probably did have something to do with it. Um, that's just my opinion. I don't. I don't feel like that's you know. Um, but I think you know you don't want to discourage players from absolutely doing whatever they can to get their team over the line. And I guess when you're a player in the midst of a game, you don't really want to have in the back of your mind constantly like don't go too hard because if you do and you injure someone else, you could be out. Like that's not. That's not productive for the game or players. But at the same time, in this particular is- instance, Maynard was literally running full pelt towards Angus Brayshaw. Like, I don't understand. Full pelt. Like, I'm not really sure what he was expecting. Like, if he did c- collect the ball and smother it, he still would have... There's no way that he couldn't have collided with him. Mm. And turning his shoulder like that, it's instinctual. So, I don't think that's... You can't be, like, mad at him for that. But I think running full pelt at someone, you know that you're not going to be able to, like, hold up your momentum yeah. in that situation. And I think jumping up like that and, like, literally just flinging your body at another person in that way I think is reckless and I think probably should have had a game suspension just to be, like, set, at least set a precedent that's, just like... Think about it. Yeah, just be, like, do what you can, but... It's go go for the ball. It's not about like inflicting damage on another player. The, like Brayshaw was f- like fully through the kick before Maynard was anywhere near him, mm. and I think that is also for me is like if he was like halfway through the kick or still had the ball, I can see why maybe you'd want to like try and like go for a tackle almost. But he was fully through the kick. There was no chance of him catching up to him before he kicked the ball. So he should have just gone for the ball, tried to smother. I just don't think – I think it's quite dangerous and I think – I really feel for 
um, Brayshaw because, again, like this could be the end of his career. Mm. It could be serious like brain damage. And I know that people, it's a contact sport and I know that there is risk, but I think in this situation it was an unnecessary act. And that's my opinion. Mm. And I, again, I don't want, I wouldn't want the AFL to like start, you know, putting in these conditions of like, it makes a, a game that's meant to be contact sport untenable for people to play it. But at the same time, I think in this instance, like it was an unnecessary act in my opinion. Mm. And I think it was dangerous. And I think if I was his teammates, if I was him, I would be pretty, yeah, I'd, I'd not be really happy about it. Mm. And like, Again, jumping up like that, there's into a player at full pelt. Like, you, there's only really one outcome that you can expect from that. Like, mm. yeah, I think it was reckless. Reckless is a good word. Yeah. And we're running out of time, so we can't get too much further into it. But recklessness has been lauded in this game mm. for the sake of the team, putting your body on the line, doing whatever it takes to uh, get a win. Yeah. And I think there's a a real rethinking of that going mm. on right now. It's happened with the tackle and the sling tackle. Yep. Players have adjusted remarkably quickly. Yeah. Rocky start to the year. Anyway, so this is something that we'll, we'll come back to mm. about the line between playing the game with a duty of care and then also relenting that there there are unfortunate things that happen. Yep, absolutely. And where, where, where do we draw that line? Yep. So great work, Em. Thanks, Jimmy. This has been The Sporting Record, everybody. We're on every Thursday at 4pm. You can listen to us all, all the regular ways and all that. But in the meantime, enjoy some finals footy, enjoy some AFLW footy, and have a lovely, lovely week. Hi, I'm Grant Hansen, the host and creator of the Margrook Footy Show. When I'm in town, I love listening to the best sporting show on radio. It's the Sporting Record every Thursday at 4 o'clock on 3CR 855am on your dial.